0: Welcome to the Select Sector Spider Sector Digest podcast for the week of January 29th, 2024. I'm your host, Paul Baiaki, ready to dig into all things sectors for the week ahead and look back at the week that was. And another positive week for the market. S&P 500 up 1.06% or just about 1% for the week, which brings the year-to-day gain to 2.5% or so. And the leadership this week was largely driven by energy, which was up 5.1%, quite a bounce, and largely due to the fact that WTI has been creeping higher and higher as a result of some of the geopolitical uncertainty, some of the supply chain constraints, some of the shipping routes that are being affected by that geopolitical uncertainty, and we're now nearly $80 a barrel on WTI. And as goes the price of crude oil, typically, so goes the price of energy equities, and therefore, XLE. But after that, you had... XLK technology up 78 basis points. You add communication services up 3.8%, largely on the back of a significant move in Netflix after their big earnings print. Then consumer discretionary down 1.84%, largely because of that print that the market didn't like at all from Tesla, some of the conversation around Tesla coming out of that print, and ultimately. This is a market that is showing some signs of widening out in terms of the number of stocks that are above their 200-day moving average, the number of stocks that are above their 50-day moving average, for those of you who like technical indicators, but – A lot of people said last year it was seven stocks driving the market. It was three sectors that were responsible for the bulk of the market's return in 2023, which definitely was the case. But as we roll into the early stages of 2024, what we're seeing is that a lot of the stocks that didn't do as well, in 2023, in sectors that didn't do as well, are starting to show some signs of technical strength, which in theory is what you want from a market that is going to reward some segments that didn't perform well last year. Now, on the economic data front, LEIs are leading economic indicators, which I talk a lot about here, were actually better than expected, negative 0.1% versus negative 0.3% expected. That doesn't mean the picture is all rosy. They fell for the 21st straight month in December, and they continue to signal some underlying weakness in the economy broadly. But When you think about the leading economic indicators published by the conference board, that is one of the lone holdouts on this recession call. In fact, they also said there is a signal that there's a risk of recession ahead in their printout. And what's interesting is, is you get a better than expected leading economic indicators index. And as Justina Zabinska-Lamonica, senior manager over there, said, There was some positive signs within there. So despite the overall decline, six of the 10 leading indicators made positive contributions to the LEI in December. Nonetheless, these improvements were more than offset by weak conditions in manufacturing. We know that's in a recession. The high interest rate environment, we know that's problematic and challenging for operators in this economic environment, and low consumer confidence. Now, the consumer confidence piece is interesting because we're actually going to get consumer confidence this coming week. And we've seen improvements in consumer sentiment. We saw a big beat recently in consumer sentiment. So, when you think about those various dynamics that the conference board looks at when calculating the leading economic indicators, The things that are overwhelming the positives are things that in theory are trending in the right direction. First and foremost, the high interest rate environment. The market expects five or six interest rate cuts from the Fed. The Fed has signaled three. That in theory could come to a resolution at some point this year. Whether or not that's before we get, as the conference board expects, some version of a shallow recession remains to be seen. But we're also seeing at least last week that manufacturing PMI better than expected, now back in expansionary t- territory at 50.3. So the leading economic indicators are important. They're as the name would imply, a forward-looking measure of economic activity and even if we get GDP growth turning negative as the conference board expects in Q2 and Q3 of 2024, They expect a recovery late in the year. And what's going to lead that recovery? An easing of interest rate conditions, an improvement in manufacturing activity, and of course, an improvement in consumer confidence and or consumer sentiment, which we're starting to see. So you look at the other data points we got this week, Q4 GDP was better than expected, 3.3 versus 2%. That was sort of a blowout beat there, once again, on the GDP front. PCE, which is the Fed's favorite indicator of inflation, which, again, is one of these important economic dynamics, not mentioned in that blurb from the conference board, but certainly what the market has been focused on, and rightfully so, came in under three, slightly lower than expected, the lowest level we've seen there going back to 2020. So ultimately, a lot of the things that have been plaguing the economy and have been undermining economic activity are starting to break in the right direction. That's not to say that what's happening with global supply chains, global shipping rates, and all of the geopolitical uncertainty attached to those dynamics can't undermine further economic activity domestically and globally. The reality is is that we're starting to see some economic data that's supportive of not just the market, but more broadly some of these economic sectors that lagged in 2023 and that a lot of folks haven't necessarily been predicting strong performance in 2024. Now, you look at what's going on so far in 2024 and the sectors that are leading are the sectors that led last year. Communication services, best performing sector this year. Technology, right there. And so when you look at the earnings front, Netflix had this big pop. That's a communication services stock. Tesla, At an extremely weak quarter, as perceived by the market, it got crushed. That's sixteen percent of XLY. So consumer discretionary is actually the worst performing sector so far in 2024. And then Nextera, which is thirteen percent of XLU, actually beat on earnings, but was down this week. And that's a sector utilities that had a very problematic year in 2023 and isn't expected to have a strong year in terms of guidance, in terms of earnings growth, in terms of some of the things you look at when analyzing individual sectors in 2024. So add it all up, 700 million shares traded across the select sector spider lineup. So a fairly robust week in terms of volume. So when you think about these sector moves this week and the corresponding activity as measured by volume in the market, These are discernible moves. And from a flow's perspective, 10 million net creations across the select sector spider lineup, 18 million or so shares created in XLF alone, a sector we always talk about having these wild swings in terms of the amount of shares that are being created and redeemed on a weekend, month out, quarter by quarter basis. Two and a half million shares created in XLK or technology. On the flip side, we saw 7 million shares redeemed out of XLU, that sector that has been so challenged, and that folks largely were positioned for defensive orientation last year and have started to reposition away from that. 2.6 million shares redeemed out of XLV or healthcare, and then 3.8 million shares redeemed out of XLP. What do those three sectors that saw redemptions have in common? defensive orientation that has not worked on a relative basis for the past year running. Whether or not it will here in 2024, as economic conditions change, as if the conference board is correct, we see some version of a shallow recession. Those are sectors that typically provide strong relative performance in recessionary environments, at least historically. But once again, it feels like the conference board is the only one left standing on recession island. So we'll see. Now, the sector in focus this week is communication services. As I mentioned, it was up 3.79% for the week. In most weeks, that would be enough to be the best performing sector. It got pipped by energy, 5.1% this week. But you remove energy from the equation and communication services had a brilliant week, largely again, driven by that print from Netflix. And We're looking ahead to next week, and we're going to hear from the big companies there. We're going to hear from Google or Alphabet. We're going to hear from Meta or Facebook, as they're widely known, two of the largest companies in any sector in the market, two companies that dominate the communication services sector. And what's interesting about the communication services sector is it is right there with technology over the course of the past year, up 41.47% versus 48.2% over the rolling one-year period. And you look at it year-to-date, and it's actually the best-performing sector, up 6.91% or so in 2024 already, once again, largely driven by strong performance from those companies at the top of the cap in that sector, Meta and Alphabet, who are going to be reporting this week. And then, of course, you've got Netflix, which is up 17% year-to-date on the back of that really strong earnings print, which had strong user growth. So technology up 4.82%. Oftentimes, we group these three sectors, consumer discretionary, technology, and communication services together. They're cyclical. They're cyclical growth sectors. And in 2023, those were the three sectors that led the market. But if you take consumer discretionary out of the equation, it's down 4% or so year to date. And you just look at how communication services compares to technology. Well, technology from a technical perspective, still very much in a very strong position technically in terms of relative strength, still well above on a trading basis or on a price basis. It's Moving average, as is communication services. But the difference between communication services and technology is that communication services doesn't trade at this extremely rich multiple relative to the market. In fact, if you just look at the P ratio on a trailing or forward basis of communication services relative to the S&P 500, you'll see that it's actually trading below that of the market, 21.3 or so on a trailing basis based on 2023 estimates. Of course, we haven't got fourth quarter earnings from those companies versus twenty-two and a half and a half for the S&P 500. If you look at 2024 consensus earnings estimates, communication services is trading at 19 times versus 20 and a half times for the S&P 500. Then you look at technology, 32.8 times 2023 estimate, 28.3 times 2024 consensus estimate. So regardless of how you look at it, on a trailing on a forward basis, Technology is trading at a premium to the market on price to earnings, whereas communication services is trading at a significant discount to technology and a slight discount to the market. That's the difference. One on a relative basis screens more value. The other screens significantly more growth. But these are two growth sectors and communication services is expected on a consensus basis to be one of the fastest growing sectors in terms of consensus earnings in 2024. But the difference when you look at some of the factor exposure between communication services and technology is that communication service as a sector doesn't have anywhere near the type of profitability as measured by something like ROE that technology has. It doesn't have the quality characteristics that technology has. Balance sheets aren't nearly as strong in aggregate In the communication services sector, as they are in the technology sector. And it tends to be a lower volatility growth sector than does technology. You look at it on a beta basis, on a residual volatility basis, it is a sector that does provide less volatility and less beta or leverage to a market rally than technology. So Communication services gets lumped in with technology often, especially when people talk about quote unquote the technology sector, because they think about Meta, they think about Netflix, they think about Alphabet as technology companies. But if you're using Gix, as we do, you live and breathe sectors, as we do, you know that these are communication services companies, not technology companies as defined by Gix. If you wanted to call companies technology companies like Meta, An Alphabet, feel free. You could call a number of companies in the market, technology companies, because they're all so intertwined in that regard. But the point is, is at the sector level, communication services and technology look the same, feel the same, but have very different characteristics in terms of their factor and their style exposure. And that's why I think communication services, such a fascinating sector, and not for nothing, that telecom segment of communication services, that legacy telecommunication sector, by the way, AT&T and Verizon, those companies that dominated that sector for so long, are still in there and are very different from a business model perspective, from a balance sheet perspective, from a profitability and growth and earnings perspective than their counterparts in the sector, Disney, Netflix, Meta, Alphabet, and the like. So with that, let's look ahead to the economic data next week. We get a lot of it. So this is Fed week. We're going to get a Fed decision. Most people expect to pause. So we'll see what the Fed has to say about the trajectory of their interest rates, some of these economic dynamics that could, in theory, reignite some of these inflationary pressures, specifically those supply chain challenges that we're talking about, global shipping challenges that are being brought by The geopolitical uncertainty. We'll also get payrolls at the end of the week. So, two of the most important economic data points that we typically get all in one week. And then we get Kay Schiller, we get consumer confidence, as I mentioned, and we get ISM manufacturing. So, all of this ties together. Leading economic indicators showing weakness in manufacturing and the ongoing impact that higher interest rates are having on economic activity on a go forward basis. We're going to get some insight into both of those this week, and of course, consumer confidence. Now, on the earnings front, we're going to hear from nearly 100 S&P 500 companies alone. We're going to hear from Microsoft. We're going to hear from Google, Mondelez, MasterCard, Philips 66, Amazon, Meta, Apple, Merck, Honeywell, companies, in sectors, what is your flavor? You're going to get it this week. And of course, when you think about Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Meta, Apple, those are... Five of the seven magnificent seven companies that drove so much of the market's performance last year that dominate their respective sectors. So, earnings reports from those companies are perhaps as impactful as a Fed meeting and a payrolls print, given the impact those companies have on the market. So, with that, I'd like to thank everyone for joining me once again. My name is Paul Biocchi, Chief ETF Strategist at SSNC Alps Advisors. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. Thank you for listening as always, and please visit sectorspiders.com for all things sectors. Take care.